0: This is memory of Jared Olchen, and today we're going to learn the Aftorah of Parshat Para. But before we learn the Aftorah, give a little introduction about what is it and where it's going. In the month of Adar that we're getting very close to, we read four and four Saturdays, we read, we read extra, extra Torah portion. Usually, we take out one Torah on Shabbat morning, and we read the Parsha of the week. Every week, read the Parsha of the week. Sometimes, we take out two Torahs. When we take out two Torahs, when we have an extra reading in honor of the day, for example, when Rosh Chodesh happens to be on Shabbat, we will take out two Torahs. One, the first Torah, will read the regular Parsha. And for the Maftir, for the last, for the last aliyah, for the eight aliyah, if you want, we are reading from Rosh Chodesh, something about Rosh Chodesh, a little piece from the second Torah, and then the Aftora will be connected to the last reading. The Aftorah is always connected to the last reading. That if the last reading is about Rosh Chodesh, the Aftorah will be connected to Rosh Chodesh. On holidays, for example, we read we read uh, we read from two Torahs. Then the after will be connected every time the after is connected to the last reading. In this month, this coming month of Adam, we have four Saturdays that we take out two Torahs, not only one. For different reasons. But the bottom line is it's four Saturdays. Two before Purim, two after Purim. And we compare it, in Jewish law, they compare it to the four cups of wine that we drink in there by the Seder. The first Saturday, the two Saturdays before Purim, the first one is we take out a second Torah and we read Parshat Shkalim. Shkalim means the shekels. They used to collect in the time of the Temple every year, half a shekel from every Jew, and with this they used to sponsor the sacrifices in the Temple. Not because the Temple did not have enough money, It was to give every Jew an opportunity to be a part of it. That when they used to start to collect the 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 shekels, they need to have the shekels by Nissan, by the beginning of the month of Nissan, the month of Passover, They needed to have them at the beginning of the month of Nissan. They needed to have the money, the shekels. Then a month before they started to collect the money, that was the taxes of the year, if you want. For the temple, then used to collect the taxes um, uh, uh, thirty days before Nissan, before the month. That Rosh Chodesh they used to start to make announcement. Everybody should bring the Efe Shekel, a Special stations set up in every city to collect the shekels. Today we cannot collect the shekels. We don't have a temple. We don't have anything. Then what do we do? We are reading in the Torah about the ephah shekel. Then this is the extra reading of the first Saturday in this month. The second Saturday, the Saturday before Purim, more correct to say, we read an extra Torah too, an extra reading about, about Amalek. The same Torah reading we were reading this Shabbos. Why we read Amalek, the Shabbos before Purim? Amen. Because Amen is a descendants of Amalek. Then we read the Shabbos before Purim, Purim about Amalek, from the second Torah. The after Torah of the Shabbos is is also a story about the Amalekites, about the war with the Amalekites, King Saul, the Amalekites, a famous story. The Shabbos after Purim, we will read about the red ephel, the extra portion. Again, we take our two Torahs, and we read about the red ephel. Why we read about the red ephel? A Shabbos after Purim, what do you think? What is Purim to do with the Red Heifer?
1: Is that to, to purify all the people that were fighting?
0: Purify? But the people fought once. I read every here on the story. Because before Pesach, Pesach every Jew had to bring his sacrifice to the temple, right? The Passover lamb. To have a personal, to offer a sacrifice, you must become pure you have to, you have to purify yourself. That a month before we start to talk about the purification, is to purify themselves. We cannot do it, we talk about it. That's the third reading. And after it's called parshat para. What's para in Ibu? Ephra. Cow. Literally cow. A red hepher is a small cow. And the fourth reading is about a Chodesh. It's before Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It's the first time when God said to sanctify the, new, the month, to start to count months, the month of Nisan, is the first month that we are counting. Today's Torah that we're going to read, learn, is Parshat Para about the Red Heifer. it was the reading in the Torah, and the aftora is connected to the, to the idea of purification. Now the first, the two aftoras of the, first, or the other two readings, we already learned last year. You already know it. This time we'll read learned after of Parashat Parah. Even that the time of this we'll read it in the synagogue will be the Shabbos after Purim. Not in such a long time. Purim is in less than a month. But this will be exactly in a month. I'm sure you'll remember by now, by then, of the learning now. Then this Torah can be found on page 1,500 in these books. It's in the book of Ezekiel. It's chapter 36 in the book of Ezekiel. Now, when was Ezekiel a prophet? During what time? Babylon. Babylon. Where was he? In Babylon. Now, most of the prophets prophesied only in the land of Israel. Actually, Jonah ran away from the land of Israel because it God told him to go to prophesy. He didn't want to listen to the voice of God. He says, I'll run away from Israel. Maybe God will not speak to me. Didn't help him much, right? But that's what his agenda. The first, I think, maybe the only prophet could be, I don't know, I cannot tell you for sure, but almost for sure, the only prophet that prophesied outside of Israel was Ezekiel. Now, who was in the same time of Ezekiel, who was also a prophet in Israel at the same time?
2: Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah.
0: Exactly. That as long as the, before, the, before the destruction of the Temple, Jeremiah was the speaker. He was in Jerusalem, warning the Jews, don't uh, do tshuva, don't cooperate with Egypt. You're going to be destroyed. Listen, uh, put yourself under uh, submit yourself to, to to the Babylonians. Talking and talking and repenting and amen. That was until the destruction. After the destruction, he ended up to go to Egypt with the Jews. The Jeremiah's days were over, basically. The microphone was given over to Ezekiel. Ezekiel really started to prophesy. Maybe he gave a few prophecies before that. But in general, the big push for Ezekiel, his career, if you want to say, his time became after the destruction. Before the destruction, it was more warning of destruction. After the destruction, there's a change of a tune. Comforting. Mashiach is going to come. are going to rebuild the temple. It's going to be good days. It's a different... Speaking about the, the next temple, the, how are you going to rebuild the second temple? Ezekiel gives directions how to build the temple. Even the second temple was not built by Ezekiel's rules. And they say the third temple would be will be built by him. That now we're going to read a prophecy, a very comforting and optimistic, relatively optimistic prophecy that Ezekiel gives to the Jewish people after the destruction of the temple. Chapter 36 of the book of Ezekiel, the number starts from verse 16.
3: The word of God came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt their own land, they defied it by their way and by their doings. Their way was before me, the uncleanliness of a menstruating woman, which causes a woman to distance herself from her husband. Therefore, I poured my fury
0: upon them for the blood.
3: That okay, the let's ed- stop
0: right here. He speaks about son of man, the Jews were sitting under the land. He explains why we were exiled because we made the land impure. What type of impurity? There is ma- mainly two types of impurity. There is the, de- the impurity of a dead person, <coughs> and there is an impurity of a woman who has a menstrual cycle. What's the difference? The difference is simple. The woman who has the impurity, which she has to be separated from her husband, it's a natural thing. But she did anything wrong. It's a part of who she is. Number one. Number two. In two weeks. The impurity is over. You go to the mikveh. impurity is over. Number three. The impurity comes back in two weeks. You no know more. What? Whatever. Right? It's a cycle. The impurity of death. If you touch a dead body. First of all. It's a much more. Strict impurity. It's the The, the tumor. Being impure is a much a stronger level than the impurity of a, of a, of a, of a woman. And, and uh, as somebody who touches a dead person cannot, cannot uh, nobody, anybody we touches becomes impure and so on and on and on. That's, not, that's nothing to do with, with the impurity of a woman. And it's, it's kind of permanent. This impurity doesn't go away. And to purify yourself of this impurity, you need to be sprinkled the water of the ashes of the red heifer. Now, what does this mean? In this, that the Jewish people were in the land of Israel, in that the impurity of like a woman, a woman who became impure. There are two types of sins. There are sins that are part of who we are. The Talmud says there are sins that we do every day. What are sins that we do every day? Maybe you know. Why? Lie every day? You can sure. see people don't lie every day. They die every they lie every second day, once a week. Gossip. Gossip. What else? Um, I would say bad thoughts, impure thoughts. There is a mitzvah, an obligation for every man to learn Torah every day. Not one man doesn't is 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 observing it 100%. It cannot be. What does this mean? There is almost embedded sins. It's a part of you. Are. That's who, that's who we are. Then it's no. It's expected that it should come, just like the menstrual the cycle. You do tshuva for it, and you become pure, and you know what? You sin again. That unwanted, that's not so bad because that's who we are. What do you want? We are human beings. We're trying better. We're, tomorrow I'm not speaking gossip, but then in two weeks again, I'll speak again. That is an impurity, but the impurity that you can live with it, you understand? It's not so deep, it's not so serious. Then there are sins. Well, as we're going to read in the next verse, let's read number 18.
4: Uh, Rabbi, question the. The phrase "son of man," yeah, that's Ben Adam. Ben Adam. So, is that the correct uh, translation? I mean, Ben Adam, if it's literal to the first man, I mean, this this should apply to all of every
0: human being in Hebrew is called a Ben Adam, Ben Adam, sons of man. That's the word. Ben Adam in Yiddish, a mensh.
4: Right, but this is but this is is this universal then? Is that why that term is used? In other words. There are some. Yeah,
0: it speaks to everybody,
4: some, basically. Right. I mean, there are some, you know, generalizable.
0: Yeah, every all humanity is called Ben Adam. Yes. I remember once the Rebbe spoke about the, another prophecy of Ezekiel, chapter I think a chapter or two after that about the the dead the dead bones the dro, the dry bones. It starts also with Ben Adam. and the Rebbe spoke about it. The, the message was to go and to revive the dead the dry bones who are lost. The Rebbe said, you're a man. You're even only a son of a man. Here is the message. Because Ben-Adam means a son, the son of man. A son of a man. Then that's, but that's, well, that's a normal, yeah, the normal way in Hebrew. Ben-Adam, means people, person. Not just a Jew, a person, every person. Every son of Adam, the first man, yes. Now, what is he saying in number 18?
2: Therefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land, and for their idols with which they had defiled it.
0: Oh, the blood that they shed upon the the earth, this is sins, or deliberate sins. It's not, I spoke Loshenore, I was gossiping, I made a mistake. This, you go and you do it. It's not like a Baidu, it's not a part of your nature. To kill somebody is not a part of anybody's nature. It's not expected. It's something that you do, that's that's a that's a terrible sin. That's a sin that you cannot you cannot purify yourself on your own. You see the difference is also in the way of purification. From from a impurity of of a, of a cycle, the person goes to the mikveh. Done. Impurity of death. How are you becoming impure? How we how you become? How you purify yourself? The ashes of the. Family. Can you sprinkle on yourself the ashes? No. no. You need somebody else to do it. You cannot help yourself.
1: What about the Jewish soldiers when they kill? Does that make them impure also? Sure,
0: everybody. Yeah, everybody. Even if you attended a funeral, but, but, in, a regular funeral, in, in, you didn't in, kill anybody.
4: In the but, per- there, but there's moral killing and immoral killing. That's a
0: different story. Yeah, right. we're not talking.
4: So this is referring to killing and.
0: Cl- it is, is talking about yeah. Here it's it's not, not murder. Here is no. only is only giving a metaphor. Then there is two types of sins that you did in Israel. Okay. Sins that are expected, and sins that are unexpected. But when you're asking about the concept of purification, it's not even a killing. Is attending a funeral, you need purification.
2: And the paradox, however, the, the, is that uh, even the That's the another point.
0: One second. The point is, I know where you're going with this.
2: Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the point, the, what I want to say is that the prophet is bringing a metaphor how bad the Jews, why the Jews were exiled. He says they were exiled for small sins, and what really they were exiled for big sins. The small sins, no, but the big sins, he said what is a from a big sin, therefore when God has to help the Jews to get out of it, he says we cannot help ourselves. It's like from purific- in purification of a dead body, I cannot purify myself. I need the coin to sprinkle both the the, 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 red ephir, the water of the red effort on me. You know, there is a concept in Jewish law, in Jewish law, en chavush matir atzmo. a prisoner cannot release himself. If your hands are tight, you need somebody else to undo it. You can't. any
3: can't.
2: What? <laughs> yeah, he, he's a magician. He could get out of. Him.
0: Oh, yeah, there is. Oh, I did not? <laughs> Only magicians could. <laughs> then, when somebody is in this level of impurity, it means to say the Jews did this kind of sins in the land of Israel, idol worshiping and the killing. Then they cannot help themselves. They cannot get themselves out of exile. They will need God to pull them out. That's the two types of sins that they did. And therefore, because they did these two types of sins, these two levels of impurification, number 19. I
5: scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way and according to their doing, I judged them.
0: It's according to the, the depends, somebody today told me maybe according to the way means if you did only the easy sins, you were exiled just 10 miles away from Israel. If you, if you did a bad thing, you exiled to knows where. And a little bit is true. Depends on the things that why we are in exile more or less, or bad exiles or not so bad exiles. Could be dependent on, on this level. Number 20.
4: They came to the nations where they were exiled, and they profaned my holy name because it was said of them, these are the people of God, and yet God could not help them, and they have gone out from His land.
0: Mm-hmm. But I had
4: concern for my holy oh,
0: people. It is a big problem, a big problem. What happens when the Jews goes go on exile? What happens? They bring the shame. We know how the world looks of it. The world
4: says, uh, you know, if you're really the chosen people, why are you exiled? Where is God? Where is God? Uh Where is God supposed to help you? If you're in the ancient world, if you were in a war and uh, your side lost, it meant their God was stronger than your God, so you should worship their God.
2: The same reasoning of why uh, King David's money wasn't used for the temple that we talked about. That's a
0: whole different... Yeah, but the same idea. You don't have to go far. The Holocaust. What the Christian, the Pope, the Church said, aha, that's a prophet, we are right. If you are right, where is your God? That's Hidal Hashem. The secretions of God's name. See, God is stuck. If He doesn't punish us, we do whatever we want. He punishes us, and the world says, oh where is your God? They don't take it as a pony. God is strong and because he didn't do what God wants, therefore we are exiled. They, they translate it as the weakness of God. You understand the power? What is sanctification of God's name? What would be a sanctification of God's name?
2: Recognition that God controls everything in the world and everything is
0: give me an event that will make that those people say, Whoa, God is great. The Hudson. Um, the Six Day War, for okay. example. The old world yeah. said, Whoa, look what the Jewish people did. Amazing. 1948. Right? Then when the Jews are successful, it's a sanctification of God's name. When the Jews are suffering, it's a desecration of God's name, not just of our name. Who was the first one to say it? Say what? Uh, Abraham. A little too far. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first one to say it? That when the Jews suffer, it's a desecration of God's name, and when the Jews are doing well, is a uh, Sanctification of God's name. All of you know it. Moses, Moses will.
1: It has the golden calf.
0: Moses says, actually, it's interesting. We read this after Torah every time the Shabbos, we read Parshat Sam, the Parshah of the golden calf. What Moses says by the golden calf? What was Moses' argument? How he convinced God out of killing the Jewish people. He said something that you cannot, lose. You can, you can, you can, you cannot argue. Page five sixty-seven, number eleven.
3: I need to Five sixty-seven,
0: number eleven. Go ahead.
1: Moshe pleaded before God, his God, and said. Why, O oh God, should your anger be kindled against your people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt with great power and with a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with evil intent to kill them in the mountains and to annihilate them from the face of the earth?
0: Aha! What did Old God God? Forget about the Jews. What are the Egyptians going to say? You took him out from Egypt to kill him in the desert. They will not say, oh, because they made a golden cave, therefore I killed them." They will say he yeah, did not have enough strength to bring him to the land of Israel. That's what they're going to say. And I think that he says it here. And if I remember correct, where really he says it again?
4: Back to the spies.
0: He said it by the spies. Exactly. Here in the spies on page 951, he gives them the argument with more details, even better. <laughs> Number this, uh, 1411, God, Moshe a prays a to God. Go
2: ahead.
6: Number what?
0: The new paragraph, the new chapter.
2: God
6: said to Moshe, How long will this people provoke me? Mm -hmm. How much longer will they refuse to believe in me after all the miraculous signs I've performed in their midst? I'm going to strike them with a plague and eliminate them, and then I'll make from you a greater and stronger nation than them. Moshe said to God, And what will the Egyptians think when they hear that you killed the Jewish people? They'll say, While you did bring this nation out from among them with great power, But they will say, you weren't able to defeat the inhabitants of this land. They will never believe that the people were punished for their sins because they heard that you, God, are with this people and that you, God, appeared to them eye to eye and that your cloud rests over them and that you go before them with a pillar of cloud by day and with a pillar of fire by night. So if you kill this nation suddenly, like killing just one man, the nations who have heard of your reputation will say, it is because God lacked the ability to bring this nation to the land which He swore to them, that He slaughtered them in the desert.
0: Here is the punchline. It God lacked the ability, they will not say the Jews sinned. They say God killed them in the desert because He couldn't bring them to the land of Israel. Good logic, huh? Moses is good. A good lawyer. Yeah. He says forget about the Jews. What are they, what, what is the, the whole nations of the world will say? In the Golden Cave, he says what the Egypt is going to say. He didn't say what Egypt is going. To say. What the rest of the Oh, you were talking about you were a big chachem over Egypt. What, the, what are you bringing him into the land of the seven nations? He couldn't. That's why you killed him in the desert. You couldn't. He couldn't deliver. You killed him. That's you know. I mentioned the story a few times about this poets, the 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 duke, the landowner in Poland. Who invited himself to his Jew, used to work for him, to Moshka for the Seder. comes the first year, he enjoys the Seder, the whole thing. By the end of the Seder, Moshka gets up with his family, he's announcing next year in Jerusalem. He asks him, Moshka, are you leaving? He tells him, yes. Moshka is going to send the Moshiach, he's going to take us out to Egypt. Yeah, we're going to Israel. From, from the from yeah, we're exactly, going to Israel. He says, hey, give me advance notice. I mean, I, I need to know. I need to find somebody else. And you were such a good worker, I'm ready to participate in the cost of the traveling. Said so, no problem, boss, I'll tell you, give you the stuff, everything will be good. Sorry. I hear passed, next year, your seder. The poet invites himself again to the Seder. The whole Seder goes through, beautiful. Gets up the, the Seder, next to your Jews, and he said, Moshka, you said last year you are leaving. He said, like still, I didn't walk out, but this year, we are really going. He so says, again, you may make sure, you'll tell me in advance. Fine. Comes the third year. The, the poet is there. By the Seder, it's getting closer to the end. Moshka Moses, i not going to ask said, don't sit that. He said, God, we will forgive you. But what is the poet going to say? That's exactly what Moses was using. That's exactly what the prophet is saying in the name of God. You are are desecrating my name. I'm trying to punish you, but it doesn't work. It's like shooting himself in his foot. Because they're going to say, Ah, you were exiled because God is not strong enough to keep you in the land of Israel. They don't translate it as a punishment. That's what the problem is. You know, there is in Pashat Gdoshim to you, there is a concept of sanctifying God's name. For example, in, uh, um, if, some, if, 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 you're, if a person is asked to worship idols or to die, is to choose death. That. that usually in Judaism we call it a gave is sanctified God's name. The, the Rebbe spoke about it and he said, this is not sanctifying God's name. This is giving you life for God, or this is doesn't bring any sanctification of God's name. If you bring so, if, if you are surviving it like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who were thrown into the furnace and came out alive. Now there's a sanctification of God's name. But if the, the Jews killed, there is a desecration of God's name, not a sanctification of God's name. And that's where, that's where, that means to say God will help the Jewish people many times, not because they deserve it, because he has no choice. Because he put himself in a position that he has no choice. That's the amazing and beautiful part about it.
3: This this line, this here is interesting. Why did the not ask for forgiveness? At, at the spies.
0: This is another issue. We'll learn it when we learn the story. <laughs> we'll go back to page 1501. Um, before, 15, 1500, right? 1500. Yeah. We are number 21, I think, right? But, on this page, yeah, before the end of the paragraph.
1: Right, okay. 21. Thank you. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they were exiled.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's why i concern it for my name. Continue. Therefore.
1: Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what God Almighty God says. I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations which you were exiled.
0: I am With- not doing it for your sake. I am doing it for my sake. Will we say this word in a prayer? In Tarkin? Close, very close. Yeah. In the Ovinu cho Do it for your sake, if not for our sake. Forget about us. We don't, but for your name, for, you guys, for the name, we take it from here. We didn't make this up. All the prayer book is based on verses from the Bible and from the prophet. The rabbis didn't make up one word on their own. It's all to conform the text and rephrasing it for our sake, but it's all based on words of the prophets and Moses. For example, the concept, not only Moses says it, it's in the book of Psalms, we say it on the humble service. Why should the nation say, Where is your God? Or, or the, 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 the King David says in the book of Psalms, They will say to me a whole day, Where is your God? The Goim will say, no, Where is your God? Where is your God? No, 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 no. No. You know, when, when the establishment of the state of Israel, the Christians had a, a, theological, a, a theological problem with this. Suddenly, God is on the side of the Jews that something doesn't work. The reason why the Vatican didn't want to recognize Israel and have a problem until today with it is because of this. The Holocaust was approved that they are right. Oh, the state of Islam means that they're wrong. It doesn't work. That you know how you when you're wrong, you ignore the reality. Because you're wrong. It must be that's not true. It doesn't it doesn't exist. That's what he says. I will I need to think God says I will sanctify him with number 23.
1: I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the
0: nations which you have profaned in their midst. You profane them just by being there, not by doing anything bad. If you are in Babylon, and not in Israel, oh, something is a problem here. Then the Jew is profaning God's name, but who exiled them? God exiled them. But by exiling them, it's not only, it's his problem, it's not only the Jews' problem, it's God's problem. Go ahead, you want to continue? Well. Number 24, right?
2: Almost.
0: Oh, uh, i finished, I'm sorry. Go
2: Say, see, see God and Almighty.
3: And, and the nations shall know that I am God, says God Almighty God, when I shall be sanctified through you before you, their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations and gather you from all countries and will bring you into your own land. Oh,
0: here says God, I will take you out from all the nations. I'll gather you right from all the from the place and I'll bring you to your land. And then he says, Will you, hear, will you remember such words? Isn't that, isn't that uh,
2: the oath to Abraham? Kind of. They'll, they'll take your
0: We have why we have four cups of wine?
2: There's four re- statements of redemption.
0: Four expressions of redemption in the beginning of Pasha's Voira. He just learned it a few weeks ago, we read it in the Torah a few weeks ago. It says, v'itzalti, on page 373. Number seven. No, number six, I'm sorry. Therefore.
3: Again. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am God, and I will take you out from under the burdens of Egypt, and I will save you from your labor, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great acts of judgment. I will take for you as a people. And
0: I will take you as a people. The same words the prophet is using the same expressions in a different order, but the same expressions. What really lays behind it? It's written the redemption, the final redemption is like, just like the redemption from Egypt. The redemption from Egypt was not because we deserve the redemption. It was because God promised Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to take the Jews out of Egypt in another five minutes wouldn't be anybody to take out. They would be assimilated completely. That God took us out from Egypt, not because of us, despite us, because He was afraid. So soon will not be anybody to take out. That what Ezekiel says, the last redemption will be also not a rede- It could be, it could be two ways of redemption. But the, the redemption that is speaking here, and I'm going to speak about that, is a redemption that not because we deserve it. It's a redemption because if not, will be nobody around anymore. In the world. Now, what does this mean? When they took out from Egypt, when God took the Jews out of Egypt, that they were religious? What do you think? The Jews were good Jews? They were assimilated. They, what they needed to deserve to go out of Egypt, what he gave them? Give them uh, a task to take the... Uh, oh, he gave them two mitzvahs. Two mitzvahs. Not, not 632. No?
2: No. Not even No Not even Shabbos. Circumcision and, um, and, and also the goat, the lamb, the Passover
0: lamb. The matzah was already by the head. When you're living you make some matzah. But the real mitzvah was, what is circumcision? Killing the, the Passover lamb was, that was the god of the Egyptian. The Jews worshiped it too. Then you needed to deny the idol, and the priest is a covenant with God. What is bad and what is good? Two mitzvahs, you took talking about two major. If you would give them too many mitzvahs, there was no there was nobody to talk to. They needed a hook, something to hold them to to get to deserve to go out of Egypt, but well, just a little bit. When the Jews will go out from exile, it will be the same thing. If God will wait until we all do tshuva, now there is a big argument in the Talmud, Argument in the in the really the prophet between God and the Jewish people. What comes first? Tshuva, repentance, and this will bring redemption? Or redemption will bring repentance?
1: I don't think. Uh,
0: you understand uh, what I'm saying? Think, uh, what, usually, the regular order in everywhere, God says, and you will return to me, and you will do, you repent, and then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Beautiful. But you know, <laughs> you have to wait a long time for this thing to happen. All the Jews will repent, yes, sure. The other, the other way is, God will redeem us from exile. And because of this, we'll repent. In the verses of the Bible, there is a big argument. the, the Hashem says, God says, Shuvah Elay, V'ashuvah Elaychem. You return to me, first, do Shuvah. Shuvah, the word, like word Shuvah and then I will return to you. Then I'll redeem you. The Jewish people say, Hashem You bring us back to you. We are not going to do it. It's like a couple who a fight. You apologize first, you apologize. No, you will apologize. No, you will apologize. And the fight and get into a new fight just because who is going to apologize first? And I wouldn't suggest for any man to get into this fight because he's going to lose it no matter what. <laughs> then, that's why God is losing this fight too. <laughs> Everything in the physical world is a reflection of the spiritual world. If God is fighting Jewish people, eventually God is going to take us out of Egypt. And it's an argument in the Talmud. Rabbi Eliezer said they will do tshuva and they will be redeemed. redeemed. And the Rabbi Yeshua says, no! It's enough that they survive to save them. There's no other choice. We have to save them even if they don't do tshuva. I remember all the years the Rabbi spoke this concept. God will help him Hashem will bring us to the tshuva and then we will be redeemed. Rede- rede- and then one time, by the end of his life, the Rabbi spoke a whole different language that feels that feels God will redeem us <coughs> and then we'll do tshuva. A whole new language. And I realized that really that's what the Prophet is saying. Today I realized that that's what this of Torah is all about. You understand? It's, it's doing tshuva and then uh, the, the God will redeem us, and then this will bring us to do tshuva. And where are we? Um, oh, no, page number 25, please. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you from the
3: ashes of the red heifer, and you shall be clean from all your filth, and from all your
0: idols I will cleanse you. God will cleanse us. God will sprinkle the, the red heifer. Not, not, uh, not uh, Hashem. Not we will purify ourselves, God will do it as a part of his process taking us out from exile. Go ahead.
3: I will also give you a new upright heart and a new spirit I will put inside you. I will take away the stubborn heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a soft heart of flesh.
0: Now here it's something very interesting. It speaks about Evan a, a stone, a heart of stone that you don't feel anything, like you want, you want to say a person has no feeling. What would be the expression in English? Cold fish. No, it's a hard word.
4: Out of stone.
0: Out of stone. That's how oh, you say.
2: No,
0: no, no. No, you have a out yeah. of. Uh,
2: that's one. Hurtless. He doesn't ever hurt. Out of stone. Yeah, that's
0: one. That comes from the Bible. Out of stone. Mm-hmm. There is a saying about the cotel, the wall, the western wall. There is. People who have a heart of stone, and there is stones who have a heart of, of people, heart of feeling. The cotel fills the pain of every person who comes down. Then God will take us when Moshiach will come, God will take our, remove our heart of stone and make us sensitive people. People are out fle, of flesh of human beings, a heart that you see other people suffering. What is happening to society when they see a lot of? A, a lot of crime on TV, they, get, they become uh, desensitized. That's a heart of stone. <clears throat> Somebody who doesn't see it as a a, a sensitive out. Why all the Jews get all walked up about the ban against refugees? Because it's called Rahmonas. it's right there. It's an argument, the right thing, the wrong thing, but the, the, the reaction is healthy reaction. Number uh, twenty-seven.
2: I will what? put my spirit inside you, so that you will become prophets and cause you to follow my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Just dwell in the ho- land that okay, I gave okay. To you. Okay. Okay. That
0: you will give you out of a spirit of God. <clears throat> that you, this will g- help us to go in the right the, the right ways. Continue. I'm sorry.
2: You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your.
0: Uh, okay. Where is this written? You be my people, not be your God. When Hashem said it the first time?
1: When hmm? you left Egypt?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're getting close, you're getting close, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very close. The first time Hashem said that is similar to this is in the Pasha of this week, Pasha Titron. What is Hashem telling the Jewish people? Before Mount Sinai, what the first word that he said to them um, right when they arrived to the, before the, des- the Sinai desert? It's on page away. Page four sixty-seven. Similar words. In top of the page. Um you want to read?
5: Moshe ascended to God on the second day of the month early in the morning. God called to him from the mountain, saying, You shall say the following to the house of Yaakov, i.e. the women, and and tell the same thing in more explicit manner, stressing the punishments and fine details to the sons of Israel, i.e. the men. Mm -hmm. Continue. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I gathered you together in a short period of time, and I protected you, through the angel of God, as if you were carried on eagle's wings, and I brought you to my service. Now if you listen to me and keep my covenant through the observance of the mm-hmm. Torah, you will be precious treasure to me among You'll
0: be a precious treasure to me among all the other nations. Continue
5: for the whole earth is mine, and yet the other nations are like nothing to me. You Continue. shall be to me a kingdom of ministers and a holy nation.
0: You should be a king of ministers holy nation. You'll be me, my people, I'll be your God. That's what exactly he says here. And It's a deal. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. You will not leave me and I will not leave you. That's what he says on page 1501, number 28. Now we'll go to number 29.
4: I will save you from all the sinful uncleanliness to which you were accustomed, for I will arouse your heart to be aware of it. I will command my blessing upon the grain that it should increase, and lay no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field, so that you shall never suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Mm -hmm. Then you will remember your evil ways and your doings that were not good, and will feel cut off due to your former sins and your former abominations
0: that he gave them a whole thing, what he's going to do to them, they'll become mentioned. I'll bring them to my land, first will be redemption, then they will become good people. Then they will do tshuva, then they will repent, they will listen to me. And then on number 32, the next verse, he repeats again, I'm not doing it for you people, I'm doing it for me, go ahead.
1: Not for your sake will I make this redemption, says God, almighty God. Let it be known to you, be ashamed and confounded from your bad ways, which you were insufficient to bring.
0: Here it is, I'll tell you. You have a, you have a child, God forbid, somebody has a child, who is a total milk. He takes drugs, he's doing bad things. You want to throw him out of the house. But you know, he goes around and he's asking for... And every person, his son, his father doesn't want to take care of him. Now we are stuck. If you don't take care of them, people say, if you take, that you have to take care of them, not because you want to take care of them, because you, you're embarrassing the family. Then we have no choice but to take care of them. In many families throughout history, throughout the world, they'll take care of the bad apple in the family just because they cannot afford, they should embarrass the whole family. Because if there it, it could be a, a family member, you give him money and he burns everything, and you give him again money, he burns it again. Then he ends up in the street, and everybody goes around say, this family, such a rich family. They have one guy in the family who cannot make it; they cannot, they don't even help him. Now, go put on the news that we helped him ten times, and they didn't help. Go skim, you don't have a sister, you know the expression. Then sometimes God is taking care of the Jews, not because. That's what, what, what is important to understand here. The regular Krishna way of thinking is like this. If I'm successful, it's a proof that I do the right thing. If I'm not successful, it's a proof that I'm doing the wrong things. Not necessarily. Sometimes, but not necessarily. Sometimes God will take care of you, even if you're not necessarily doing the right things. For another 50,000 reasons. Because he has no choice. Whatever it means. You understand? In, the, in America, I read today, in America, the word loser is the biggest insult. In modern society, loser? be If you're a doctor, you have to be a winner. And you, if you're a lawyer, you have to be a winner. And you're a scientist, it doesn't make a difference with you. If you're a garbage collector, you have to be a winner, as long as you're not a loser. Not, not necessarily that the person who is successful. But where is this coming? The loser and winner from the concept that if you're if if you're successful, obviously you're doing the right thing. God is with you. If you're a loser, obviously God is not with you. Not necessarily. There is tzaddik v'ralo and rasha v'tovlo. There is the evil person who has it good and the righteous person who has it bad. Not because Hitler was successful, he was the right person. He was doing the right thing. And not because the Jews were suffering, it means they did the wrong thing. There are bigger reasons why God is doing things. And that's exactly what he says here. I will bring you back to my land, but not because, not because you deserve it. Number 33, I think, right, yeah. The source is, is God. You go ahead, number 33, whatever it is.
6: This is what God, Almighty God says, on the day when I will have atoned you from all your iniquities, I will populate cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt, fit for human habitation.
0: I want to tell you something amazing. Okay, read one more verse.
6: The land which is desolate now will be tilled instead of being the desolation that was in view of all who passed by.
0: That the land will be always desolated, will be now revived, right? Now, first of all, you know what the word for desolated is? In Ibu, Neshama. The same exact four letters. Do with it whatever you want. That's neshama, that's the word. Desolation means neshama. If you look in number, thirty, the second word, the desolated land. And then he says it again in number 35. And then there is a Godot time, Neshama, the same word. Now, what is God? It looks like it's a ba- It's the desolated land. No, it's written when God is warning us from exile. There is twice in the Torah we have the curses, right? Once in the end of the book of Leviticus, and once in the end of the Torah in Kitab. the end of the Torah, in Leviticus, um, I'll tell you in a minute where it is. It's on page eight thirty five. Page thirty five, when he tells the Jews, he, he tells the Jews that if they will not do they will not. they not behave, they'll be exiled of the land. He speaks about the land. What will happen to the land? Number thirty two, top of the page. I mean it's almost the top of the page. Eight, page eight thirty five, number thirty two. Oh, you have to oh, read them, read. Go ahead. Oh. You never okay, read?
5: Two. You read already?
0: Oh, yeah, but I can go again. <laughs> okay, go on, go for it.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Am I next? Did you just read my
0: book? On, I did read know. Oh, okay, okay. somebody has to read it. Yes. Okay, right. no
1: problem, whatever. And go I ahead. I will make the land desolate, which will have the positive outcome that it will also become desolate of your enemies who now live in it.
0: Let's stop right here. You read this line carefully? It's with the parentheses. God says, I will make this land desolate. It will become desolate of your enemies who live in it. God says, if the Jews leave the land of Israel, nobody else will be able to rebuild it. Mark Twain was in Israel. What is he writing about Israel?
4: It's desolate. Desolate. This is the late 19th century. It was nothing, little, nothing there, except, it was, except uh, people, some people living in the old city, but, but most of it was
0: empty, empty. miserable. I remember to read uh, uh, a diary from an American politician from 150 years ago, or more, and he was in there. he said, it's, it's bad, the land is bad, the land doesn't let you to do anything with it. Two thousand years, many cultures and civilizations came on Israel nobody was able to make the land not desolate to revive the place then the jews came 100 years ago and look what's going on in the negev what's going on in the desert what's going on in israel flourishing like any like unbelievable God, when he said the land will be desolated, he said, yeah, the land, you are going out. The land there. I'll make sure no other nation will have success in this land. Then, then the prophet Ezekiel is promising us that when we will come back to the land, we will make the land that was desolate, we'll make it full of cities and rebuild it and revive it. That's what he's saying. And really... And the way it's written in parentheses, but the way Rashi says, Rashi says about the verse in the Bible when it said the land will be desolate, it said, this is some good news here. That at least nobody else will be successful in the land. And it's unbelievable that Mark Twain that came two thousand years later, a goy recognized what God has said. He said that the desolate land, exactly what God said it was going to be. Nobody was successful. And here came Jews in the last 50, 60, 70, years and revive the land. And that's what he's saying in, this, in these verses. Um, number, We're in number 35, I think.
3: Passerby will be shocked and they will say this land that was desolate has become like the
0: Garden of Eden. The land who is desolated, the, the passerbys will be shocked. The land is desolate will be like the Garden of Eden.
3: The waste and desolate Lit, and ruined cities have become fortified and are inhabited. Thus the nations who remain around you shall know that I, God, have rebuilt the ruined places and have replanted that which was desolate. I, God, have said it will happen and I am the one who will do it.
0: That's it. God said that's the end of the talk." God said, I will re- I'll revive the cities, the land will not be desolate. To a point you can say the dead the Jews live today in Israel is a part of it. What does this mean? We are not necessarily in Israel because we deserve it. We are in Israel because it was a desecration of God's name. You understand? Now it's up to us to make it deserve the land. If we are better, you know, if you are in the capital city, Jews over the the centuries didn't rush to go to Israel because if you live in Israel, it's expected of you a higher level of morality. You have to obey the laws. If you, are in the, if you are in Washington, D.C., you have to behave better. If you are in the White House, at least, that's what it should be. If you are in the White House, you have to be more of a mensch That it should be. And and that's what, what we are now in Israel. It was The Holocaust was a huge chilol Hashem, a huge desecration of God's name, that God, so to speak, had no choice and had to take the Jews because it, it couldn't forget about it they deserve or don't deserve we have to save them and he put them in the house he wants an example for it he it says it's like a couple who got divorced the wife left the house fine then it was she had no home she was on the street it was a terrible snowstorm she knocks on her husband on her ex-husband door let me in they are separated they are not divorced yet he felt so bad he opened the door let us in she warmed herself up, she got in the kitchen, she made herself a uh, coffee, she got in the dining room. Then she wants to go to the bedroom. He says, eh, eh, eh. I let you in because it was cold outside, but the problems that we have are not solved. God took us in after the Holocaust, there was a terrible snowstorm out there. God opened the door, let us in, to the dining room, to the living room, to the kitchen. For well, the marriage, the bedroom is the holy temple. This didn't take place yet. And that's what we need to work on.